Hello, and welcome to the Empowerography Podcast. This is a platform created for women's voices to be heard and a place to share their stories, journeys, and successes with the world for the purpose of helping other women who might be on similar journeys. We are empowering women one episode at a time. I'm your host, Brad Walsh, so kick back, grab one of your favorite beverages, and enjoy the stories. If you're looking for jewelry that makes an impact on your self-care routine and your style, Empowerography would love to offer you a discount code to one of our exclusive partners, Quartz and Canary Jewelry and Wellness Company. Please use code EMPOWER15 to receive 15% off upon checkout at www.quartzandcanary.com. Quartz and Canary is truly the place where spirituality meets style. Hello there, Brad Walsh here, your host of the Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest is Emily Zahnbrecker. She is the owner and founder of Iron Yogi Fitness and the studio. How are you doing today, Emily? Hi, good. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. Thank you so much for taking the time to be here today and share a bit about your story and your journey with us here on the Empowerography podcast. I appreciate you taking the time and I appreciate you being here. Happy to be here. <laughs> so, Emily, Thank you for- oh, yeah. it is my pleasure and my honor. Mm-hmm. Thank you for taking the time to be here. I appreciate that. Sure. So Emily, as mentioned, you're the owner and founder of Iron Yogi Fitness and the owner of the studio, a yoga teacher, a fascia Mm -hmm. specialist. You recently Mm -hmm. got into weightlifting. And of Mm -hmm. course, last but certainly not least, you're a mother. That is quite the balancing act and journey (laughs) you're on. What Mm -hmm. were you doing before you started the journey into entrepreneurship? Yeah, I was a nurse. I'm still a registered nurse. I worked in an intensive care unit for seven years. Okay. Before I started this whole venture. (laughs) And what prompted or inspired your journey from your nursing career into entrepreneurship? Well, I suppose it started with a yoga practice, a personal practice, which pretty quickly morphed into interest in teaching. I did my teacher training and and just the more I kind of got into that world, And I was feeling the call to, you know, separate from the hospital work. And I knew I wanted to get into more of the holistic side of things, but still maintain my nursing skills and knowledge. It just took me a while to figure out how to marry the two. But certainly the yoga was was the gateway. (laughs) Yeah. And how did you find that transition from that from the world of nursing into becoming an entrepreneur? (laughs) Terrifying. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you know, it it was going from the stable life, right? Yeah. You're not likely to be wealthy as a nurse necessarily, but right. you you know you get a paycheck in exchange for for yeah. hours work, you know, health insurance and yeah. all that good stuff. You you have the ability to pick up more shifts if you need more. You know, it was a really yeah. stable situation. Yeah. So going from that to basically polar opposite, you know, <laughs> working around the clock and for a while, you know, not seeing anything come in. So terrifying, but also, I mean, scary stuff kind of gets my juices going. So, (laughs) (laughs) well, that's, see, that's the thing. I think that a lot of people who make the trek into entrepreneurship, 
they don't realize how much work it is because as you mentioned, working a lot of hours, I, mm-hmm. I would honestly say that entrepreneurship is like having two or three full-time 40 hour a week jobs because of the amount of work you put in. And that's the thing that people don't understand. And I think that entrepreneurship gets romanticized and we don't talk about Mm. the other side of things, the struggles, the, the stress and, and the loneliness of being a solopreneur Mm. as well. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause there's definitely, you know, (laughs) social life things that get put to the side. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. You, I mean, you, it requires an unwavering love and passion for whatever it is you're putting together. Yeah. I mean, I I think you have to be a certain type of, it takes a certain type of person to be an entrepreneur for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's not for everybody. It's not. (laughs) So why the world of yoga instruction? How did you fall into that? You know, I got into it from a physical desire to, you know, I, I'd had Olivia by the time I really, really got into yoga and I'd gained 60 pounds with her. It did not fall right off <laughs> once I had her. <laughs> I was really uncomfortable in my own skin, literally for a while. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it started as part of a journey towards getting my physical fitness back Right. And that is usually kind of the gateway to getting into right. say usually, but often yeah. the gateway to getting into yoga is the, the physical, the asana aspect of it. So that's why, and I, I okay. was doing it, I was doing some different online formats where I could practice at home on my own time, yeah. you know, with the baby right. around and yeah. that worked really well for me. Now you've also been trained in facial stretch therapy for those yeah. of us who aren't aware of what that is. Can you explain to us what that's all about? Yeah, totally. So I might start abbreviating that as FST. Okay, sure. Yeah. Uh, that starts coming out. But yeah. so fascia, if you know anybody listening has just never heard of it, is our connective tissue. It connects every cell and every system in the body. And, you know, it's like a vocabulary word in nursing school, right? right? But beyond that, we didn't go get too much into it. But I was having a conversation with my yoga teacher, actually, at a yoga training of mine. And I was pondering how, you know, like I want to transition out of the hospital. I want to do something that looks more like my own practice and sort of combine you know, the nursing knowledge with the yoga stuff, but I'm just not really sure how that looks. And my yoga teacher suggested FST training to me. Her Mm -hmm. now husband was a fascial stretch therapy instructor, and she had had some great experiences with it herself. Anyway, she suggested it to me and it was sort of like, I don't know, a Jedi mind trick (laughs) when she said it something in me just knew that that was what I was supposed to go do. I had no idea what it was, but I clicked the button and I gave them a couple thousand dollars of my money and bought a plane ticket to Phoenix. And as it turned out, that was exactly the thing that I needed to be doing. So what it is, is an assisted stretching modality, which you could do a whole podcast about what stretching actually is and that it's more... Uh, really an effect on the nervous system than manipulating the tissue itself. But at any rate, we're, we're stretching and other things from a 
context of working with the fascia, the connective tissue, it's not a, it's a very gentle modality, unlike, you know, some kind of fascia based things that use more pressure and tools and things like that. And so people would find that it, it, it just feels really good. It activates the parasympathetic nervous system and it's very relaxing. And, you know, you can apply certain techniques to, to really help with certain mobility issues and just strategic release to help with different pain syndromes and all sorts of stuff. That's FST. Assisted <laughs> <laughs> stretching modality. It really was the foundation of, of what was happening at the studio for the first couple of years that, that we were open. Uh, mm-hmm. even even more so than the yoga, I would say. So, and the fascial stretch therapy segued into another fascia-based modality uh, that is like the complementary movement form of that, which I have found in practice, especially once adding the weightlifting stuff to almost be even more useful. Yeah. Because most people dealing with pain kind of think that they focus on release, 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 stretch and release. And that, you know, they think that that is the answer to their pain. And there is some, you know, application of release that can strategically be applied to help. But generally speaking, much of people's pain has a lot more to do with instability in the body. And so things that require active, you know, an active fix, active participation to fix, than necessarily just coming in every week and getting stretched to oblivion. (laughs) So FST led to the fascia-based movement practice. It's called merge, if if that means anything. And and then we, so we apply all the fascia-based concepts and the fascia-based movement to help mitigate problems that can arise from weightlifting. If you were to only lift weights in a certain way and only move your body, you know, linearly all the time, it helps to counter that. So, yeah. Okay. How far into your journey of these training modalities, yoga, fascia, did you decide to open the studio? I want to say I started with all the yoga in 2016. Uh 2018 is when I started training in fascial stretch therapy. And I had opened the studio by October of 2018. Now, how did you come up with the name? for the studio so the name itself and the spelling is what's sort of unique about it right yeah u-d-i-e-a-u-x so that's a louisiana thing i'm from baton rouge you know there's the french sort of history attached to it and it's just a cute little thing that we do down there you know we we spell go tigers g-e-a-u-x so anything with that O sound, we add the uh, E-A-U-X and that's where okay. that came from, as well as the flirtily symbol that's part of the Iron Yogi Fitness. Uh, right. <laughs> so. now, now you are the owner of and founder of Iron Yogi Fitness. Can you tell us mm-hmm. what the mission and inspiration is behind starting this business? Yeah. So well, with my own weightlifting journey, it really quickly evolved my whole fitness and wellness philosophy to come to the understanding that physical strength is actually the most important element of physical, mental, and spiritual fitness. It's foundation. It's our vessel. So, but there's a lack of integration out there, I would say, I guess mind, body, and spirit, right? True mind, body, and spirit integration. So a desire for that 
is what prompted Iron Yogi Fitness. And also, um, I took a particular interest in glute training. Um, and uh, that is also pretty hard to find around here. Okay. So my desire to kind of loop all that in together with the fascia stuff and any of the, the yogic breath work and sort of mindset and, and spiritual stuff is, is what I wanted to achieve with Iron Yogi Fitness. Now, is the business focused primarily on helping women reach their goals in mind, spirit and body fitness? And if so, why have you decided to primarily focus on women? So in numbers, I definitely have more women than men. However, I didn't really start it with that intention necessarily. And I do have several superstar male clients <laughs> in the mix, although they are the minority. Right. Awesome. So it has turned out to be primarily women, which is obviously awesome. Yeah. But you know, any dudes that want to jump on board, we're we're here for it. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Everybody can use a little strength and empowerment sure. and just good energy. <laughs> of course. Yeah. How has the business evolved from when you first started up to this point now? Wow. I mean, and if if we're talking first started from when the studio first opened, I mean, it's a it's a whole different world. But uh, even from the inception of Iron Yogi Fitness, which was a little over a year ago, yeah, I mean, it's, it is. It's a whole different world. And it's almost like I've just let go of the reins and yeah. things are just evolving as they're going to, <laughs> which is cool. Was that hard for you to do to let go of the reins, though? I think that's always hard. I think mm -hmm. that's kind of part of the human experience, right, mm -hmm. is to, to learn to let go yeah, for sure. <laughs> of control and stuff like that. And of course, you still put in the work, right? And you yeah. put the energy where it needs to go and you try to put yourself in the in the right frequency to, to draw in what, what it is you want. But you got to let go of control of how you think it's going to look. For how sure. exactly you think it's going to go. So yeah, it's hard. Mm. <laughs> it's hard. But it's also once, you know, now that I've kind of really felt that feeling of being in the flow, it's not as hard. <laughs> yeah. Where do you see the business going or where do you want to take it in the next, yeah. say, three to five years? Yeah, global. <laughs> so I want to I want to do a lot more with Iron Yogi Fitness. I've got, you know, a good roster of one-on-one -on -one clients, true personal training clients. Right now I'm expanding into more coaching clients mm -hmm. and I'm going to expand further with different programming options and just other ways that people can get into Iron Yogi Fitness uh, without necessarily, you know, working one-on-one -on -one with me. We're working on a custom branded app right now, oh, very cool. uh, which will be a fun way for people to get involved. I've already got a bunch of really cool designs that I plan to put on some apparel in the future. And, you know, even equipment manufacturing has oh, been thrown around. So lots of ideas to really expand Iron Yogi Fitness in particular. Very cool. Yeah. Now your tagline is strength and spirit connected. That's a great yeah. tagline. How did Thank you come you. up with it? So kind of what we were talking about with the mind, body, spirit integration, right? We want to want to take this foundation of strength. We want to integrate it with the mindset and the spiritual 
you know, aspects of things. And fascia is connective tissue. Fascia is, I could probably do a whole podcast about this too, but as (laughs) we sort of look at it, the physical, tangible representation of the mind-body connection. Right. So, you know, sort of working that fascia concept in there is how we connect strength and spirit. Very cool. How did your journey into weightlifting transpire? And do you incorporate (laughs) all of these modalities, yoga, fascia, and weightlifting into your programs for your clients? Yep. Yep. So weightlifting, I got into it when I was 35. I'm 37 right now. You know, I had picked up weights before, but in any real sense, you know, using barbells and, and working big compound movements and stuff like that. Started when I was 35, just got involved doing some events with a local gym around here and was able to utilize some of their resources and trainers there and, and build a really good foundation with some group training classes that they were doing there. And then when lockdown happened, you know, I had really just gotten a good program going. So I purchased some, you know, basic equipment, Uh some adjustable dumbbells and a hip thruster device and a couple other things and implemented a bodybuilding style program at home. Over those two, we were, we were closed for about two months here in Florida. So created a pretty dramatic transformation for myself over Mm -hmm. those two months. It was sort of how I was able to apply that weird lockdown energy without going insane. (laughs) (laughs) And then that is what was the catalyst for Iron Yogi Fitness altogether. I had a few clients here at the studio that I was already, you know, doing fascial stretch therapy or, you know, private yoga merge or, you know, different things. And they said, well, you know, we want you to train us. And I'm kind of like, well, I don't really do that. And they're like, well, you do now. (laughs) (laughs) Now So, so So I did. We got some equipment for the studio and that just ballooned out from there. It was really like a, if you build it, they will come. Yeah. Uh, So how we've been incorporating the other stuff is, you know, people who are local, they can obviously come to our classes at the studio. Anybody who trains with me gets a membership here. So there's that. I also have like, I live stream a lot of yoga classes in Facebook group so people can get their yoga in there. And I incorporate some of the foundational stuff, breathing and some, some fascia based movements into the warmups for the workouts and in between sets even of the workouts, like just different movements that they can, I like to say kind of microdose in there to counter some of the problematic things or some of the things that can be problematic during the weightlifting sessions. Okay. It's not a huge time consumer right. to, to throw these, these fascia based movements in and the breathwork practice and things like that. So a lot of that is just teaching people how to integrate that into their daily life and movement without, you know, having to completely start a new routine. Right. What drives and motivates and inspires you to keep going, to keep Mm -hmm. pushing and excelling Mm -hmm. at all that you do? A few things. I don't like to be bored, right? (laughs) (laughs) I've always been a very driven person it's just part of my personality. If I set my mind on doing something, I mean, there's pretty much 
no stopping me. I'll figure out a way. And a lot of it is, you know, life. Okay. Uh We all experience pain and heartbreak and things like that. And I've found this avenue to harness those inevitable times of pain and heartbreak and turn it into something positive. Okay. <laughs> I want to I want to go into a little bit about women in entrepreneurship and and yeah. along that line. So, yeah. I come from a corporate background and I've seen even now that mindset and behavior of the old boys club mentality when it comes to things like equal pay for women doing the same jobs as their male counterparts or not enough women in C-suite level positions in these huge corporations. And I think it's horrible that we are still dealing with this ridiculous 1940s old boys club mentality. And I mean, yes, we are starting to see a a shift in mindset with a lot more women. Um, What are your thoughts on the landscape of entrepreneurship and women run businesses? And Are you seeing a shift in terms of more women making the jump into that world? And if so, why do you think that is? Yeah, I think so. I mean, personally speaking, it's all right. I don't want to try to change the system. I'd rather just work outside of the system and create my own. You know what I mean? So So that I'm not in there asking for equality right yeah i'm just gonna you know i don't want to say take take it it, but like uh, you know i'm just gonna do what i'm gonna do (laughs) Uh, and i think that's the certainly a a big draw to entrepreneurship for women or for anybody is to you know have some autonomy Mm -hmm. it you know trade-offs it comes with that that sacrifice and that dedication and you know, the scary stuff and all that, but to certain people where that autonomy is, you know, a highly valued thing, it's worth it. It's worth the instability and the, you know, the scary times and the not knowing if you're going to make it work. (laughs) Now, you being an entrepreneur yourself, what are your thoughts on this shift in mindset and how do you think women should continue or can continue to push through and continue to break down these ridiculous mindsets and mentalities and barriers and ways of thinking around this old boys club bullshit. Well, that's one piece of sort of, I don't want to, I don't know if I want to call it advice, you know what I mean? (laughs) Mm. But like the thought that comes to mind is just, just do it. Like just, you know what I mean? And it, it sort of goes back to putting yourself in, in the frequency of, you know, whatever it is you want, whatever it is you're, you're trying to make happen. And just living it without asking, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I, I think we do, it's especially as women, you know, we've sort of got this cultural programming of politeness or shrinking back. Right. And, and not taking what is rightfully ours because, yeah. you know, who does she think she is or, you know, she's a bitch or what, you know, yeah. whatever the idea is and it's so programmed in us that we operate that way you know at least Mm -hmm. for a time until we sort of figure out another way to operate so I certainly was you know operating in that other way for right for a long time but yeah we don't have to (laughs) (laughs) what do you think your unique skill set or superpower is that's helped you become successful Emily I don't want to say I'm fearless because I definitely feel fear Mm -hmm. But I'll do the stuff that I fear. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I will get uncomfortable. I'm okay with being uncomfortable. 
Feel the fear and do it anyway. Um, yeah, I'm okay with being uncomfortable because I understand what reward comes on the other side of that discomfort. For sure. Nothing grows mm-hmm. in a comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of, especially like the nursing experience and stuff like that prepared me for that. Yeah. Working within the system prepared me for that. Speaking of success, how do you define the word success? What does that word mean to you? So I saw an Instagram post recently that I really like to define success, at least in part this way. I really liked it. It was like, it was this other trainer, weightlifting gal that I follow. Her name is Katie Saunier. If anybody wants to follow her on Instagram, she's pretty cool. But I think she was doing like a workout, you know, she's lifting weights in a bikini or something. Uh And caption was about defining success by spending most of your time, like doing what you want to be doing. (laughs) And if it's working out in a bikini and you're in your gym, like, cool. Yeah. You know? And so obviously expanding on that meaning you've created your world and your and your stability such that you you can you can go about your days or at least most of them uh in a way that you see fit and spend most of your time that way so i like that definition of success because yeah. it doesn't necessarily i mean you know it implies that you have the resources <laughs> mm-hmm. but it's not money driven yeah For sure. What would you say is one of the most important things you've learned in your life? And what was your life like before learning it? What was your life like Mm. after learning it? Self-worth. That is, that's it. That's the end all be all. It it meant like really, you know, and I've had a couple recent experiences to really solidify this for me. Even the difference from being like a confident person with pretty decent self-worth that could still be shaken. Yeah to an unwavering sense of self-worth. And that is where all the personal power is. That's where all the right decisions come from, right? Because you're mm-hmm. always making the decisions that respect yourself Yeah. at the bottom of it. And for women especially, because I think that's sort of part of our collective programming too, is this like just beaten down sense of self-worth. Yeah. Even if it's just subtly beaten down over, over, you know, a lifetime, it's there. And so finding that has been the most important thing that I've learned. Absolutely. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. What was a turning point in your life and how did that affect you? I would say that, that, fi- yeah. that really finding and solidifying my self-worth because I will never again, I can honestly say I will never again make any decision that is not in my best interest yeah. not making decisions solely for my best interest obviously like yeah you want to do for the greater good but never sacrificing self for yeah. something else okay again <laughs> what does the word empowerment mean to you mm, i think that's another segue right from like i really felt that sense of empowerment once i understood my self-worth you know it was like all right you know you can't hurt me Mm-hmm. And I can do anything. Yeah. <laughs> and that's empowerment. Can you tell me about a moment when a person's kindness has made a difference in your life? Yeah. You know, and this is, 
all right, this is a small scale moment, right? So this Uh will be an example of a small scale moment. Certainly I've had grander gestures in my life, but this is an example of a small moment that made a really huge difference in that moment. So I was at my weightlifting competition last weekend in LA and I was doing my series of hip thrust attempts, which is my favorite lift, you know, done some really pretty badass lifts in training and you know for various reasons once I got to the competition and was performing my attempts I was having some trouble getting a complete lockout now 550 pounds (laughs) it's understandable (laughs) but you know and it was a difference between like a subtle difference between training and competition type thing there was all kinds of factors but at any rate I was in we'll say a pretty heightened emotional state Uh uh, in the middle of all that happening and one of the gals very experienced lifter there uh, her name is Vanessa really sweet gal she noted (laughs) that I was somewhat in distress and she just kind of you know she just came up behind me and and gave me just a little easy pep talk she's like you got this you know she Mm. she was very calm so that I could sort of come back down a little bit and it was just you know like I said it was really simple but in that moment it helped me so dang much. And so that was the first thing that came to mind. Excellent. Yeah. Okay. We're going to jump into a little rapid fire section now. So the next grouping of questions is just be one, (laughs) two, three word answer type thing. Okay. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) What's the first thing you think of when I say the word future? Ooh, bright. (laughs) So bright. You need sunglasses. (laughs) There we go. How would you describe yourself in one word? Adaptable. Love it. How would your family and friends, or what would your family and friends list as a couple of your best characteristics? I think they think I'm funny. (laughs) (laughs) I think they think I'm funny. You know, I think they would say I was pretty ballsy. And while I may not be the most outwardly bubbly and emotional person when it comes to, you know, my actions and and how I'm living, I think that my friends and family would say I was a pretty kind person. Okay. If you could teach the world one thing, what would it be? Squeeze your butt early and often. (laughs) (laughs) If we're being real, that's what I say most most often. (laughs) Squeeze your butt. (laughs) What's one thing you want but cannot buy with money? 600 pound hip thrust in competition. (laughs) If you could change one thing about the world, what would you change? Well, in this particular moment, I would definitely try to lighten the uh, divisiveness. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Entrepreneur life is? Fun. Mom life is? Fun. Also. (laughs) The last book or podcast I listened to or read was? Glute Lab by Brett Contreras. And that concludes cover our, cover. <laughs> that concludes our rapid fire section. Now back to our regularly scheduled program. Yes. <laughs> What's an unexpected blessing or occurrence in your life that you're grateful for? The weightlifting, honestly, it changed the entire course of my life and career. Okay. I mean, there's times, right? Like my daughter and yeah, of course. <laughs> like I got tons of blessings. I'm blessed. I'm a blessed gal, but that really did a okay. lot. Mm-hmm. What would you say are the top three skills needed to be a successful entrepreneur? All right. Yeah, you do. You definitely need to be adaptable. Uh-huh. 
you know, things just aren't going to go the way you, you picture them going nine times out of 10, right? Uh-huh. You need to, I'm just going to keep coming back to this. You do need to have a sense of self-worth. Okay. Cause it's going to be tested time and time and time and time again. You're going to question your decisions. You know, people are going to throw fire at you and, and it, it's just, it's not going to be an easy road. So mm-hmm. having that sense of self-worth intact yep. is going to be a big deal. And I think from a, a female entrepreneur's perspective, sort of, and this is whether you're a man or a woman, because we all have both masculine and feminine energies, right? I think mm. uh, incorporating a little bit of that feminine side into the generally, you know, forward moving, powerful, masculine business sense, incorporating a little bit of that more receptive feminine energy into business practices, I think is pretty important as okay. well. Yeah. What's your personal motto? <laughs> they all have curse words. In them. <laughs> That's okay. You can swear. <laughs> I mean, just fucking do it. Yeah. Just fucking do it. Okay. Who cares? <laughs> That's right. Just fucking do it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. What would you say is one of your biggest failures or life lessons or teachable moments, we'll say, and what did you learn from it? Last weekend was pretty, I mean, in technical terms, if we just focus in on that series of hip thrust attempts, it was a technical failure, you know, you uh-huh. call that I fail, I failed my hip thrust attempts, even though it was a half an inch from, <laughs> from right. not failing, it was nonetheless what could be considered a failure, but you know, I've chosen to reframe that as a teachable moment, as an opportunity to step my game up and just get better at strong lifting, get better at hip thrusting. Who in your life has had the biggest impact on you and why? You know, honestly, we're going to go back to good old mom on this one. (laughs) Uh, I got cool parents. I got really good parents. And, you know, especially my mom has been my biggest fan and supporter on this whole entrepreneurial journey, regardless of how sketchy or scary it got, she has always had my back and kept the faith that whatever, you know, crazy scheme I was up to was gonna, was gonna be something good. It's important that support system is way to go mom. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) What is the most entrepreneurial thing about you? I don't know. It's funny because, you know, I have no formal business training and really, (laughs) generally I'm not a fan of willful ignorance, but I think I practice sort of a lot of willful ignorance, especially around the beginning of opening my business because, you know, mostly deferring to experts would have gotten me a lot of like, what the hell are you doing? You can't open a business. You uh, You don't have enough capital. You don't like, you're not ready. You don't know what you're doing. So maybe my best entrepreneurial quality is that I, I just kind of didn't listen to the, to the norm, to the standard. I've just kind of done things my own way. And that could be to my detriment at some times. Sure. But you know, I'm three no, years I, into it and I it's worked out so that, far. Though, because I think that when we start asking people's opinions, we just fall into that because so many people have so many opinions. So you're going around getting all these different opinions and right. then right. you're, you're overwhelmed and overrun with them. It's like, mm-hmm. Oh, what the fuck do I do? Which one's right? right. Which one's not? right. Just trust your gut and listen to you. I think. Right. 
and don't get me wrong like i'll defer to expertise uh when appropriate you never know yeah. everything when you do yes. your you know your toast but yeah but yeah i mean you know especially when you first start with the business stuff everybody and their mama who doesn't own a business even yes. wants to tell you you know yeah. <laughs> how you should be doing things and it's just kind of like all right well, smile and nod <laughs> opinions are like assholes everyone's yeah. got one everybody's got them <laughs> Everybody's got them. If mm-hmm. you could sit down and have a one-hour conversation with anyone in the world, alive or dead, who would it be and why? Oh, my God. I loved this one. And I have two answers. Okay. Don't make me choose. <laughs> They're both <laughs> dead, so maybe we can all have dinner at the same time. All that right. There you actually. go. And it's Tupac and Anthony Bourdain. Okay. I've always loved Tupac, even since I was a child. I was, yeah. like, reading his poetry when I was, like, eight you know, everything he says pretty much has always resonated with me. So yeah, I would definitely love to sit down and talk to that guy. And then Anthony Bourdain, I mean, same kind of deal. He's just mm-hmm. really smart and insightful. And I love that show. What was it called? Parts Unknown. Yes. <laughs> if you could go back and give your younger self one piece of advice, what would that piece of advice be? Don't hold back for anybody. Love it. Mm -hmm. Love it. Lastly, Emily, if you were to deliver your last 30 second speech to the world, what would that last 30 seconds sound like? Oh my gosh. This is why you go to the whole (laughs) end of the list of questions, right? Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Um, (laughs) All right. (laughs) Let's see. My last 30 seconds. All right. People, your fascia is a system. (laughs) Pay attention to it. Open up the front of your body. Your hamstrings aren't as tight as you think they are. Squeeze your butt early and often. Breathe, ground, and get some sunlight every single day. Go Tigers. Who dat? I think that's it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) Emily, thank you so much for taking the time to be here today and share a bit about your personal story and journey. It was an absolute pleasure speaking with you and an honor. And I'm so pleased to have you on board and part of the Empowerography community. It's been a pleasure chatting with you. Same. This was so fun. I appreciate it. Once again, my name is Brad Walsh, host of your Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest has been Emily Zahnbrecker. She is the owner and founder of Iron Yogi Fitness and the owner and founder of the studio. Thank you so much, Emily. I hope you have an amazing rest of the day. You too, Brad. Thank you. Thank you very much for listening to this podcast. If you haven't yet, please be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share with all your friends. You can find me at visuphoria.ca, follow me on Instagram at Empowerography Podcast, and on Facebook at Empowerography. Please join me next time for another inspirational story from yet another amazing woman.